You are listening to the Forcecom Frontline, bringing you to our soldiers on the front lines of readiness. Hey everyone, welcome to the Forcecom Frontline. I'm Ashley and I'm your host. Joining me today is Brigadier General David Gardner, and he's the Fort Polk and Joint Readiness Training Center Commanding General. And we're talking about winning the fight for talent. Talent, an ongoing recruiting effort aimed at bringing top-notch talent to the installation. So welcome General Gardner and thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so I'm I'm really interested in in learning more about this winning the fight for talent campaign. Um, you know, before we even get started, I've never been to Fort Polk. Um, we've never been stationed there, so a lot of my perception is probably hearsay. So I'm I'm excited to learn more um, and talk about it a little. So to start, let's just, can you explain what the winning for winning the fight for talent campaign is and what the intention is? Yeah. And I think in my, in, in my words, it would be very similar to what you've already, uh, you know, sort of telegraphed because you've been around the army for a while. Um, you know, what, what we find is there, there are a lot of preconceived notions uh, to Fort Polk. And so we've gotten quite good at surveys. And so essentially what the campaign aims to do is arm people with a fact so that they can make more informed assignment uh, decisions for themselves, but also for their family. Um, so the, the biggest thing that we found is about half of the people we talk to uh, form their opinions based on a training rotation here. And, uh, and that is problematic. Yeah because the rotations are purposeful misery, as I like to say. Absolutely. And you typically, yeah, you typically don't see the rest of the installation um, when, you're, when you're in rotation. Um, and then the, uh, almost the other half, uh, it's by word of mouth, which then you not only have people who are telling you about it, word of mouth that are forming their opinions based on rotation, uh, but also who perhaps haven't been here in many years. Absolutely. Uh, and so really what the campaign is about, frankly, is having a discussion about the value of assignments here, but the quality of life as well, um, so that we let people know that they can expect great things. And frankly, uh, what I often find is that most people come here uh, either initially kicking and screaming or uh, with somebody telling them, I'm sorry, but they also almost all leave kicking and screaming. They want to stay. And so I think that's a stat that I'm willing to put the quantitative measuring <laughs> against. It's not that everybody's always happy and it's not that we don't have our challenges just like every installation, um, but our residents here are very, very happy with the assignment. And I want people to understand that it's a great option for them. Absolutely. And you know, you said something that that resonated with me when I, I did an internship with the Army for Public Affairs and my first assignment out was at Fort Riley. And I looked at a map. I was in D.C. at the time. I looked at a map and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to the middle of nowhere. I went there kicking and screaming and crying and all of the things. And I left there crying, kicking and screaming. And oh, my goodness, I love it here. So I have always said I think that that is that is what happens at a lot of installations and a lot of duty stations is you just don't know until you get there. I mean, Fort Bragg, even, you know, a lot of people hate Fort Bragg, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. You know, people have to make their own minds up for them. And, and that's another thing we, you know, we've, we've spoken with human resources command and really some of the influencers and, and really all we've asked them is don't perpetuate if, if they don't know, 
um, from personal experience, yeah. because frankly, I don't know that anybody who told you something negative that they heard about Fort Riley was doing you any favors. It certainly wasn't reducing your, you know, permanent change of station risk at all. And, and, uh, it was and still going to happen. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, they, all they were doing was adding, you know, it's, it's like commenting on, uh, you know, someone brings a new car home and you comment on the color. Well, hey, man, it's too late. They already own that it's car. It's happened. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you touched on quality of life initiatives a little bit. And a huge part of a soldier's life is their family. Um, and so what are what are some of the things happening across Fort Polk to make it a more desirable duty stations, station for both soldiers and their family? Um, or what sort of things have already been? been done yeah and, and i could i could talk for two hours on this so i'll try to be brief and then obviously ask me any follow-up questions but i think again everyone knows that it's a great place to train but few appreciate that it's a great place to live and typically um i think that about six areas are important to our families at least here uh, or those families that are moving here right the first is education and uh louisiana is not very highly rated in education in the army uh, but we've got great relationships with the schools and frankly when you measure the schools at the district level and compare our schools to the schools you have right there outside fort bragg or the ones outside fort carson or the ones outside uh, fort lewis anywhere in the country um, we are actually third amongst those wow. related schools to the military in math fifth in reading and fourth in sending kids to college um, we also partner with three universities that help with continuing education uh, to include spouses, many of them offering deals. And so there's there's good news happening here uh, with education. Yeah. Um, a second area, and these aren't necessarily in priority, but child care. Um, you know, we have, you know, the typical challenges that others have in terms of child development centers and wait lists and things like that. But I'll tell you, when I when the, we have four of them here, we're at 86 percent capacity in our CDCs. And when the Secretary of the Army was here and heard, you know, the length of our wait list on average, it was it was better comparatively to the rest of the Army. Not every post. It doesn't mean that there's not a few that are better. Sure. Um, but we are very much uh, better or within the high part of the average, the good part of the average across installations on child care. And then intramural athletics, we've got intramurals from three year old to eight, 18 months. And that's with a lot of other programs too, DOD is funding us for a science, technology, engineering, arts, and math oh, wow. uh, pilot called Starbase here um, pretty soon. So childcare is usually um, very important to our residents as well. Housing, um, you know, we put $92 million into our homes here. We've got about 3,000 homes on the installation. A little bit different than most places. We have about two thirds choose to live on the installation versus off. Most posts, uh, one third lives on the installation. But that $92 million that we're still working on through uh, fiscal year 24 is going to help us do all of the HVAC. So air conditioning, heating, people say it's hot down here. <laughs> it is uh, just like other places in the South, but we've got great air conditioning in the homes because of that investment. We've redone the exteriors. We've redone some appliances in some homes. We've torn down the old homes. We walk around every uh, month, the SAR Major and I, in fact, we did it just last night and uh, our residents are happy with their homes. We had a couple of uh, people talk about, you know, the fence didn't go down to the ground or, you know, we, we have a raccoon in the neighborhood, but <laughs> but the homes themselves very happy with and uh, the maintenance responsiveness of our privatized partner uh, also gets high 
remarks and our barracks are doing pretty well too. But since we're focused on families, I'll kind of leave that alone for a second. Okay. With the transition to the Defense Health Agency, we fought hard a few years ago to retain our hospital here. And so on the one side, much like many installations, most of our comments are, you know, emergency room wait times, which are better than national average, but people will still rightfully, you know, complain if they have to wait there. Pharmacy uh, can be, you know, another big comment, but in the larger co context, a lot of installations lost their treatment facilities, right? If they weren't the size of a Fort Bragg and we're a medium installation, we've got 20,000 soldiers and family members permanently aside, so we're not small, but uh, we've got a fully functioning hospital with your normal uh, inpatient, outpatient care. We do refer off post some things, but we do have a pharmacy. We have OBGYN, um, we've got the emergency room and we can do a lot of things in that hospital. And that's, I think, huge. Um, the other, you know, couple of areas, excuse me, the uh, other couple of areas uh, that I would uh, mention um, to you uh, real quick is spouse employment. Um, the National Defense Authorization Act just required all states to have reciprocity for our, our PCS and military spouses, but that's going to take a little bit of time for states to catch up. Louisiana has been doing that for a number of years. So oh, wow. we've got a great employment readiness. It uh, doesn't mean that I don't have spouses that, that are looking for employment here, but we do have the resources and Louisiana recognizes all certifications. Um, what we're trying to work through now is make sure that that's not too much bureaucracy. Um, but the great thing is, if you're a spouse, I can probably know about it pretty quickly if you let somebody know. And I call the state senator who this is important to him because he was one of the plank holders in getting that legislation passed. And we can work through those issues. I was up at the state a couple uh, few weeks ago. Um, and so spouse employment, you know, we take pretty seriously here. And I think we have some good initiatives. And then finally, is our morale, welfare, and recreation. Somebody complained to me once that we had too much to do. Um, they were a leader. I said, hey, you don't have to do it all. Sure. Uh, but our calendars, we've got a lot of stuff going on for our, our families here. We've retained our golf course, bowling center, go-karts. We have a new indoor playground for young kids. Um, I won't go through all of it, but there's a ton of stuff to do here uh, for families with younger kids and then some of the older families uh, that are here. And there's we're enough centrally located that particularly if you like to get away on the weekends and you like some outdoor activity, we've got a lot of stuff for really every demographic. Um, and so that's what I talk about, you know, quality of life is I, I pretty much stick to those six areas. And uh, and again, I, I've more than a few times talked to a soldier when I asked them why they've been here so long. A lot of times I get the story, like you mentioned earlier, <laughs> uh, where the family said they they don't want to leave. Right. Wow. At first it was we had to let the family know and then the family came here and liked it. And now the soldier either goes and comes back. We've had a lot of people who retire, not necessarily from here, but they PCS again. When they decide where they want to retire, they and their family want to come back here uh, to the area. So not perfect, right. uh, but certainly competitive when we take a look across the Army. You said so many things that I want to touch on. Um, one being... Yeah, that was the brief version, too. <laughs> well, one of the things that piqued my interest or made me think, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, is there are so many resources on the installation. And when you're at a place like Fort Bragg, it's very easy to look off the installation because the area is so big and anything you could want is there. But when you are at a place like JRTC, Fort Polk, use the resources on the installation. And for some reason, I feel like there's a stigma about about using these things sometimes, you know, ACS or, you know, financial readiness, those kinds of things, but they're there to, to help. Um, and so it's awesome that you guys have all of those things um, for your families. Yeah. And, and I think, I think we just became best friends because um, 
You know, I often say that quality of life is more than things. Um, it's it's service. Yeah. I mean, think of the companies that you deal with, not because they have the better prices, but because you like their service. And I think one of the things that makes us unique is that 20,000 soldiers and family members were big enough to have every program, but were small enough to be able to engage on a by-name basis, right? That's amazing. So do you want to go see spouse employment readiness with Stacy? Do you want to talk to Tiffany about your kids because she's our school liaison? Do you want to go talk to Melissa uh, about education and continuing education? Or do you want to talk to Betty about housing? This is a place where, you know, I can know their names, you can know their names, and they can know your name. It's it's just a fantastic place because we're, we're small enough to engage at the by-name level. Yeah, that's awesome. Another thing you said is location. So it's easy to be like, oh, it's Louisiana. It's going to be hum humid, swampy, all of those things. But you're not that far from the beach either, are you? Well, you know, we're, I think we're, you know, we're a couple of few hours to get to a beach on the one hand, but you can also go up. We're one of the few installations that has their own recreation area, 40 minutes up the road called Toledo Bend, okay. where you can go lay out on the lake, on the beach, on the lake, play nice. volleyball, rent a cabin, boating, fishing. So we have that recreation area uh, up there. Um, and then, you know, a couple, you know, three hours to Houston, a couple hours to one of the major cities uh, that you want to get to, about four and a half to four and a half, five when you're talking New Orleans or Dallas. Um, so so these are weekend type right. uh, trips that you can do. Um, a lot of families do talk about, you know, what's available in the local community. And uh, we're frankly working with the local community because while you can, there's plenty of great places to eat. Uh, there's plenty of places if you need to go shopping. Um, look, if you want to go furniture shopping, you know, there's probably one store and then you got to go an hour <laughs> to one of the bigger towns. Um, so, you know, that's what we're working with the community on a little bit is to help advertise what's outside the gate. But there's also a ton of things to do outside the gate that we're trying to advertise. And and frankly, the community uh, works with us because they recognize that that's one of the first questions that families have is not just about the post, but what's the surrounding community like? Well, and so you've kind of segued right into my next question, talking about, um, you know, relationships with the local leaders and cultivating those um, and the stakeholders and how how that's so important for our soldiers and community members even. I mean, most of the places that I have been to, um, the the relationship both in and in and out of the gate have been amazing and they rely on each other. Um, so what are you doing with local leaders to support the campaign? Yeah, so I, I think the first thing is it, it's great that they're so well connected and so helpful to us. I mean, we've got uh, six parishes around, that's counties, you know, in Louisiana. We've got about seven mayors that we deal with, uh, two state representatives, a couple state senators. The national representative has been here. I was actually visiting with the governor and his cabinet a week and a half ago. So they're very accessible uh, to us. Awesome. And what we have talked to them about is a couple of things. Uh, one is helping to advertise the resources available in the community because our families want to know about it. I, I think we can do better at that. I think um, it's very difficult for us to just put one business, as you could imagine, on our website or even one town. Um, so we would like an, an ability for our families to be able to explore that stuff for themselves. And so we've talked to Louisiana Tourism about that. We've talked to the Chambers of Commerce about advertising. The other thing that we are continually passing to them is the needs, right? So the what do our spouses do for a living? What type of employment are they pursuing? What type of medical and specialty care do our families need so that they can encourage that investment into the area? Uh, and so we're, we're really working probably those two tracks. Uh, now, at the same time, 
uh, they we do get some advocacy for state funds towards some of the infrastructure outside. That's kind of a third area. But I think the most direct impact to the families is helping with employment and helping them understand what resources and things they have available to include medical resources in the surrounding community. I think it's awesome how much is happening for spouse employment. I mean, I'm a spouse and I can tell you it's very difficult just walking away from a job that you like, you know, every three years, however, however often it is, I'm lucky enough that we, we actually extended here. So I get to stay a little bit longer, but that's probably, you go from having, you set your life up and maybe, maybe that's my problem, but you set your life up with this two income and then, and then you move and you are starting all over trying to find, trying to find a new position, not knowing how long it's going to take. Um, so I, I love what you all are doing and trying to support spouses like that. Yeah. And I, I think our biggest, you know, complaints on the spouse employment many times come back to the government employment because um, we are still as a, as an army and as a DOD working through, you know, the civil service and some ways to make that more responsive. And so yeah. I think there's some fair criticism that our spouses have when they're trying to get into that system. Yeah. I also think that we've got to be mindful um, I, I, my impression, maybe I'm wrong. My impression is a lot of times we're stuck in an older model uh, as senior leaders of of spouses equals women equals teachers and and nurses, right? And that's not where we're at, right? We've got a multifaceted, you know, set of spouses out there that work as professionals across a, a huge ver- a variance of fields, right? And so we've got to be thinking about journalists. We've got to be thinking about lawyers plumbers, electricians, truck drivers. We've got to be thinking about business people. We've got to be thinking about professionals that span. And so we do have a lot of teachers. We do have a lot of nurses, uh, but we have a lot of everything else. And so we we do want to make sure that we're working with the community and we have strong relationships with the chamber. Look, we've had examples of getting spouses that it just happened to everything came together and were personally involved. We've gotten spouses jobs in 25 minutes from them calling us, 45 minutes <laughs> uh, within us calling us. Now, I wish that was the norm, <laughs> right? but I guess my point is there's nothing saying that can't be the norm. It's it's really about do we know and is that the exact job that we happen to just hear someone's looking for in the yeah. chamber, by the way. That's off the installation um, or awesome. at a hospital. So it, it's, it's worked pretty well for us. That's awesome. So another thing that you had mentioned was your town halls in – I used to do town halls when I was at Fort Riley and man, it was a struggle to people to get people to come to a building and fill those seats. I'm telling you, we, we never did. So the fact that you're going out into the communities to do this is awesome. And so I just wonder what has the feedback been? Uh, you know, I know you visited barracks as well and talked with soldiers. So how has that gone? I I think it's, it's gone well. I mean, look, I think we always struggle with, uh, not only connecting with our population to hear their issues, but also making sure that the information that we're trying to share is received by those we intend it for, right? So I think the the walking town halls are useful because to your point, one, uh, it's difficult sometimes to get people to come to the one location. Mm -hmm. And then frankly, sometimes even when people come to the location, those events are dominated by one or two. um, And you really wanna hear from everybody and speak with everybody. So what what going around knocking on doors, uh, seeing as people drive home after work is uh, we have an opportunity. So last night I probably talked to 20 families wow. just on the three streets that we went to and my garrison commander talked to a few more. Um, so between that, going to the barracks where it's not an inspection, but we're there for, you know, to hear issues. Um, every month we, we do an open session 
uh, where it's it's getting our information out to our family, uh, soldier family readiness groups, but everyone's invited. Those are huge. I, I think, you know, what I find many times is one that we're understanding what the issues are. Um, so, you know, here at Fort Polk, um, we've had some litigation uh, that's gone on between our privatized housing partner and the company that was constructing and maintaining their playgrounds, right? So that is typically a resident issue, uh, sidewalks and roads in the residential area, because that's not government funds, that is with our privatized partner. And so this all comes back to the army process of what's prioritized. You know, the bad news is, is we're just kind of repairing right now. The good news is we and our privatized partner agree because we consistently hear it from our families that that is the next development plan after 24 is we need to go after the road sidewalks, appliances and some weatherization of windows, for example, right? So we hear a lot of great feedback, but I'll tell you just the other day, we were going through the town um, and I heard, you know, one one spouse uh, not only gave us uh, uh, some information of, of what it was like living in the area, there was, you know, just a family that we can at least turn over to, you know, kind of the military police side of it to say, hey, let's check the neighborhood out and make sure that the families, you know, are, uh, are not, you know, making, being so noisy that they're disturbing others. I'll just kind of <laughs> leave it at that. But what was also great is she was a spouse looking for a job, but we've ran into a spouse that was looking to for childcare, and it was a direct opportunity for us to be able to tell them, well, go down and see this person. No, no, don't wait, go now, or, or no, don't wait until you need the childcare. Put yourself on the childcare list now so that when you actually need the childcare in 30 days, which is your plan, you might be at the top of that list. Right. So it's a great opportunity to interact, to check whether what we're saying is getting out there and, uh, and to hear sometimes new issues. Um, just the other day, we heard a new issue of spouse employment where they were having a unique issue as a teacher. Um, even though the certifications were recognized by Louisiana, there was a little bit of a bureaucratic process. What was great about it is the following week, we were up at the state and we were talking to uh, the economic uh, department about that very issue. So we now have an end to try to fix that. So I think they're, they're really useful. Uh, nothing's ever perfect, Sure, um, but gives us a great environment to be able to talk to folks. I feel like, and as a spouse to have the, you know, the commanding general of Fort Polk and JRTC come around and walk through your neighborhood, hear what you're saying, and then actually do something about it speaks volumes to, to what you will get when you come to come to Fort Polk. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, I, I, I like to think so. I mean, I know it's, look, it's not uniform around there. I'm sure some people, you know, don't want to come out and talk sure, you know, sure. to me or to us. Um, some people might think it's just for show. I mean, you know, you hear all the other things, but no, there's a genuine, there's a genuine care. I think that I have, I like to think, I mean, I have names in the notebook. My team will tell you that when I hear, you know, someone had a, a maintenance problem in the house or something, something happened beyond anybody's control. We had to displace them, you know, I'm writing that name in my book and I know that name and I'm following up to make sure we took care of them. And uh, and I also just think that the nice thing was with only, I say only, with only 3,000 homes, 20,000 soldiers and family <laughs> members, there's few enough issues that that I can, I can keep track of that stuff. I think that's exponentially harder when you're the senior commander of a place like uh, Fort Bragg, sure. soon to be Fort Liberty, right? Sure. Um, and so I, I do think, and, and we're accessible, you see us. Yeah. You know, you're going to run into us either on the street running during PT <laughs> hours. I, I do go to the commissary once in a while. I do go to the, you know, to the class six. I mean, I'm, I'm out there. So is my SAR major and, uh, and many other people. So I think you can tell somebody if you're having an issue, if, 
if again you're comfortable that, that's a tough thing right <laughs> it you is. know it's not just us being accessible it's someone being comfortable bringing something to our attention and then people will say well sir i don't want to bother you it's a small problem i say i love small problems those are super <laughs> easy to solve you know those are the easy ones well i yeah. think that's awesome so we've talked a lot about families um but now with all of the human resources modernization that's happening, soldiers have a bigger say in where they would like to go for their next assignments. Through Ask Them for Enlisted Soldiers or AIM, the Assignment Interactive Module for Officers, and roughly 80% of NCOs are getting one of their top five preferences. So can you talk about how you are utilizing the Ask Them and AIM marketplace movement cycles to recruit talent to Fort Polk? That was a big question. No, that's okay. I mean, so the short answer is uh, we've been doing well with AIM because that's a little bit more mature and we're getting better every day at Ask EM as well as reaching the population that re-enlists to move to assignments. You know, my first guarantee, and we've done this now since I've taken command, I know we did it before I was here, um, but but that's my expectation is if you want to come here, you get a phone call quickly from a commander and I mean battalion commander, brigade commander, or a command sergeant major, right? That's the first thing. You're going to get a call from somebody. We're going to track your name if you're interested. And if you talk to us six months before your window opens, we have a way of tracking on our systems to remind that commander, command sergeant major, that, hey, you know, uh, Sergeant First Class Jones wanted to come here. His window opened. Uh, time to give them a call and follow up. Through those efforts and, and telling people the truth, you know, what HRC has been able to provide us with is how well we're doing in at least the A marketplace, right? It'll be a trailing indicator on, on Ask EM. Before we started this, um, we had about a 25% one-to-one match, and about half the people didn't even have us in their top 10. Um, we now have a a uh, 65% in the top one-to-one -one match. We've got 82% um, are putting us in the top three and only 8% of people have us in the bottom wow. 10. So, you know, we are, we are getting the, the pool and now it's up to commanders to find the talent in that pool. Um, but you know, what, what is really resonating is again, as we go around, tell people the facts, um, we've gotten quite sophisticated inside the marketplace, uh, the programs themselves. Uh, with some of our materials to to arm people with those facts. And as I say, you know, we had 117 out of 179 requirements were one-to-one -one matches that are going to start showing up this summer wow. uh, that we did last fall. And as I say, 82%, that, that's a, that's more than double what it used to be, 82% in the top three, and and only 8% of people don't even have us in the top 10. Um, you know, we've got 92% of the people were in their top 10. I think those are good numbers and what we're watching closely is to see if we can achieve those results inside Ask EM, uh, as well as you know reenlisting to be a, a a place of choice. Okay, that's amazing. That's quite the difference. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're gonna the number one survey result we get, um, whether we talk to people or they're in processing here, is better than advertised. That's the number one huh. comment that we get, better than advertised. So again, if we can arm them with the facts. Uh, we think those facts are going to stand for themselves. Well, and I I looked at your slide and I was looking at the survey results and I remember looking at the what people thought of for That's it for this episode. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and you can also find full video episodes of our podcasts on YouTube. Right. You can just search for the Force Com Frontline and we'll see you next time on the Frontline. 
you have been able to make that big of a, a change. Yeah, the funny and that and you're right. So when we say, you know, what 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 uh, what's your number one impression of Fort Polk? The number one comment is always hot and humid. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's also, I've been at Fort, uh, Fort Tavassos. It's hot there. Yeah. Fort Hood, Fort Tavassos. It's hot there. It's hot at Fort Benning, now Fort Moore. Um, a funny story quickly is we were at Fort Lewis talking, or uh, Joint Base Lewis McCord talking to uh, some of the soldiers and, and officers up there. And uh, and I said, yeah, it's hot and humid. We have this thing called air conditioning, and we just put a lot of money into making sure they all work. But the funny thing is we were there in the summer. Uh, most homes do not have air conditioning at, at, uh, at Lewis McCord. Uh, and they were going through a, a a a heat wave at the time, so it was <laughs> it was kind of funny that I stumbled into that not having been assigned there in the past. But we do have air conditioning, um, and we nice. do have an indoor playground now too to help oh, with the heat and humidity. That's awesome for the kids. You know, I think you're under 12, you can go in there, and it's kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese without the madness or the video games. That's amazing. It's a, it's a really nice place. Yeah. You know, we had those. We were in Germany, and the the Germans know how to live. I I always say that, but they have all these indoor playgrounds and things for kids to do and we just don't do enough of that so that's great my kids love those sorts of things yeah that that is it's funny it's a very funny analogy to use but a lot of people do use the europe the living in europe kind of analogy with fort polk because there's so much on the installation and your communities are so tight within your neighborhoods and your and your installations i mean obviously the weather's not the same outside you can't be in paris you know in four hours sure. on a bus or anything like that but but there's enough of an analogy that I've heard many people uh, and I've never I've been in Europe, uh, but I've never been assigned there. OK, so we're going to run out of time very quickly. Um, but before we do, I want to make sure we talk about career prog progression um, and how an assignment at JRT sets a soldier up for success. One of the things I think of immediately is becoming a master of your craft. But I read somewhere that you say JRTC sends cultivated honed leaders to go to great go do great things at other installations, making the Army better as a whole. Can you talk about that? Yeah, the, the value proposition, and look, at, at, at Fort Polk, we have 8,000 soldiers. Only about 1,500 of them are associated with JRTC. The other 6,500 are force comm, deployable, you know, like any other place. But I think the value proposition is twofold. One, uh, when you send great soldiers here, uh, they are the ones that are helping your units get better in the Army to the tune of 10 uh, units per year, you know, 5,000 soldiers a month. Um, and by the way, they're not in the field that whole time. It's an average of about 10, 11 days in the field a month. So it's not like, uh, you know, you're always, you're never seeing your family. It's the most <laughs> predictable assignment you can have, frankly, as an OCT. But then when you leave here, you go back to the Army better. And that's the value proposition. Not only do you make the Army better, you know, here, but you make the Army better when they go back out there. As an individual, the value proposition is, for example, if I come here uh, after company command, um, I am now an OCT, I'll probably spend the first year training companies, but the second year, I'll probably be working at the battalion level. I will be learning how to be a major while I'm still a senior captain here. And when I go back out after you know CGSC, I'm gonna be a better field grade because I will have seen at least 10, bata uh, 10 battalions that I'm with do that and learn from the good and the bad. And the final thing I'll say is because we have 6,500 opportunities for other soldiers on the installation, we have some of the most MOS diversity. And if you do like it here, you can stabilize. You can be a company commander in 3rd Brigade 10th Mountain Division and then come be an OCT. You can come be an OCT as a staff sergeant promotable. And when you get promoted in, in operations group as an OCT, but now you need to be a platoon sergeant, 
you can go to one of the other units and be a platoon sergeant. And the one I use, for example, is that doesn't necessarily mean 310. We've got an engineer battalion, an MP battalion. We've got higher echelon medical care, and we've got brick and mortar hospitals. So we went to Fort Sam Houston. We told people, you can work inside a tactical aid station. You can work inside a, a, you know, a MASH, basically a field hospital. You can work in brick and mortar all in one assignment, or if you want to stabilize a couple assignments back to back. So there's a lot of opportunity here for you as an individual and also for the Army. I think you just said something that is important and maybe I don't even think about regularly that that Fort Polk is more than JRTC. Absolutely. JRTC <laughs> and Fort Polk. Right. But I, I think it's very, very easy to to just think, you know, obviously it, it is both, but to associate it really with just JRTC and training and being an OCT and that sort of thing, um, that it, it is it is more than just that. Yeah. Third Brigade, 10th Mountain Division deployed to Afghanistan. It wasn't just the 82nd during the drawdown, right? We've currently got the 32nd Hospital Center, which is overseas doing all the medical care in the Middle East, about to deploy an MP company. So we are deploying soldiers, and uh, and that is most of the population here. And they get to take advantage of the great training center resources we have sure. when they do their home station training. All right. So we covered a lot. <laughs> but is is <laughs> And you may have changed my perspective perspective on uh, Fort Polk as well. I think I'm I think I'm a very open person to begin with. Um, me and my husband always look at assignments as a new place to explore, a new place to find different things that maybe we wouldn't do before. Um, you know, there are places where the army could send me that I wouldn't necessarily move on my own to. So I, I think it can be a great adventure. It just is how you choose to live it. Um, but is there anything that we didn't cover? <laughs> No, I, I think that's fair enough. If you think of something else, we can we can do another uh, <laughs> session. No, again, we're just, you know, we're really proud of the place. Um, I'm really proud of the soldiers and families here. Um, I think we've got a great thing going on. And uh, I think we're well postured when we have challenges uh, to get great support from the Army, from our local leaders. And I think our chain of command is invested in trying to make better everything that is in our power to make better. And uh, so it's just a great place to be. I think that is all awesome. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me about it um, and and make me a little bit more smart on JRTC and Fort Polk. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. That's it for this episode. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can also find full video episodes of our podcasts on YouTube. You can just search for the Force Comm Frontline, and we'll see you next time on the Frontline. Peace.